0: The square ball podcast
2: hello and welcome to this episode 147 of the square ball podcast i'm dan moylan i've got michael normanson with me hello and daniel chapman Moscow white as well hello we're counting down to the release of issue two of our fanzine that'll be on sale for the derby game you can get subscriptions for this season on sale via our website either digital or paper along with copies signed copies of moscow's book he's done a book don't you know you've done a book i have done a book we've so- just signed another copy haven't we yeah. do you know how much effort i put into that book <laughs> as much as me uh which nil is to say a lot nil oh nil. there's only two words in that book that belong to me and that's my signature my name that i've just put in it now <laughs> me too thanks moscow
3: you're welcome i'm glad uh to have done this thing that you can take all the credit for
2: absolutely correct you can find everything you need including and we'll sign them as well the squareball.net Well, no games to review this time, but we have had an international break. We're still in it, actually, for that matter. Uh, England under-21s. It was nice to see Eddie and Nketiah scoring twice. Very, very nice. Calls for him to start. I don't know, for the England senior team, for Leeds senior team, whatever. (laughs) Arsenal should probably
3: recall him. He he seems really good. It's kind of the inverse. Well, it's the same as the Jack Clark situation where we've got all these fans in London going, why ain't he fucking playing for Leeds? He should be fucking starting for fucking Leeds. But in this case, a lot of Leeds fans are kind of going, yeah, yeah, probably should. Scored more goals than Bamford in the international break, hasn't he? <laughs> hey, is he? Um, what's going on with him in Ireland? Has, have there have been further murmurings. Yeah, because Bamford, when he could have been scoring loads of goals at international level, was uh, wandering around a hospital doing very good works, raising awareness of the importance of organ donation. So, if you want to follow Pat's instructions and register, you should definitely do that. But meanwhile, he was also saying uh, the the stuff in the press about him not playing for Ireland is a load of rubbish. I, I spoke to Mick. And he asked me to basically change over nationality for the summer games. And I said, look, I had a bad injury last year and I want to concentrate on uh, the season with Leeds. I'm not saying no, I'm just concentrating on Leeds. I haven't closed any doors. I've not said yes, I've not said no. With
2: regards to Patrick Bamford, I'm sure he's got somebody who closes doors for him. <laughs> I think Robbie Keane
4: may well have scared him off anyway last time after his rant. It'd, it'd feel awkward, wouldn't it, going into that dressing room and be like, Robbie, good to see you. <laughs> Is it Robbie or is it Robert?
3: <laughs> but it does feel a bit unfortunate. Like I completely sympathise with his uh, feeling and think, from a Leeds night point of view, yeah, concentrate on Leeds, do the do your best for us, come back from the injury. But then this week does kind of show like all Enquete had to do is get on the end of two crosses for England uh, under twenty ones, and immediately those videos were all over social media, and everybody was saying, "This is incredible. He should start as our number nine. He's the future." And Pat just kind of, he was also saying that the, uh, um, about training during the international break is like, well, it's, it's, it's a little bit more relaxed because we've not got a game to prepare for. So it's not really like he's gaining anything from training with half a, a squad and the kids that are left at, at Thorpe Arch. Um, so he might as well just go and, you know, go and be Ireland's fucking number nine, banging loads of goals. It's David McGoldrick scored the goal for them. He's a better player than David McGoldrick. So, Go and just show off. Do you think um, when he gets back to training, Liam Cooper will have good things to say about
4: being an international footballer? He'll always have the memories. <laughs> poor game. Poor game to be involved in. I think the Belgian one. Did it finish 4-0 in the end? It did finish 4-0. I've not seen any of the, the highlights. I've not. I just checked in at the scores at half time and thought,
2: yeah. ooh. Uh, yeah, I went to bed at halftime. Liam. I went to bed at half time because I was up early. I thought, bit of a sting of that one. I was impressed though that he knew the um the words to Flower of Scotland, because I mean, with the best will in the world, he's he's not that Scottish, is he?
4: <laughs> no, that's one way of describing him. Is he from Hull? Somewhere though yeah. like East he's from Yorkshire. Hull. Yeah.
3: I watched um I kind of half-watched uh, the game against Russia and uh, the, the two rushing goals weren't his fault but they probably fell under the sort of could have done better but Scotland they're shit.
4: They're so yeah, really shit.
3: It's, it's difficult to know what more he could uh, could have done. Um, they even managed to make
4: um, Andy Robertson who's a really like one of the world's best left backs at the moment they even managed to make him look shit.
3: He got absolutely turned inside out for uh one chance. I can't remember if it's the one that led to the goal, but I was looking at it going, Who the fuck was that? And he's like oh shit, it's the captain. So yeah, if if Robertson's been dragged down to that level, it's only uh it's a, it's no wonder that's what Steve Clark's done to uh to link Cooper. Cooper's probably bored of listening to uh, Clark droning on about whether his oven's on or not. <laughs> oh Liam you know, we'll get onto the game in a minute, and what I want, you, who I want you to mark, but I've, there's something on my mind. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at the uh, the group that they are
2: in, and you know, the upside to this is that he might get a nice holiday somewhere because they're in. I mean, admittedly, Kazakhstan, the away trip there, perhaps not as enticing as Cyprus, but he might get to go mm, to. Maybe Arna- Arna- a maybe ham- a little hamstring pull for the Kazakhstan. <laughs> Oh, Got to San Marino. You're probably going to win there if you're Scotland. I mean, I don't, I don't want to gamble everything on me. Scraper 1-0. Yeah, something like that. But it's nice, nice part of Italy there in the mountains. You can mm-hmm. have a nice trip there. Belgium, fine. City break, <laughs> something like that. Don't know where they've played, but it could be a nice chance to get some uh, some
3: stamps in his passport. It's almost like a Thomas Christiansen tribute to Cyprus and Belgium, isn't it? You just catch up with uh, TC on every, uh, every international meet.
2: You see uh, Northern Ireland, by the way, over to Alfie McCalmont, went, uh, went all Bielsa by playing
3: two games in two days. That's another thing that kind of I felt put Bamford's in a little bit in the shade where he's saying, you know, concentrate on Leeds and then here's Enketia scoring two goals and Alfie McCalmont playing two fucking games. It's kind of like, I, I am working hard, lads. But yeah, great stuff. Um, uh, second half substitute by all accounts did pretty well in his full debut, a win over Luxembourg and then uh, started and played 70 minutes of a nil-nil draw with Malta. But, I mean, he's probably used to it with Bielsa. Bielsa probably hasn't playing this level of football. It'll probably be less intensive than... Uh,
2: Bit of a break. Yeah.
3: Oh, <laughs> only two games in two days. Fantastic.
4: I think Northern Ireland have just tried to tie him down as soon as possible there, haven't they, by getting him a, a cap on his, uh, on his record so they can't go elsewhere. Is he from Hull as well? He's from Yorkshire, I think. I've heard, I'm sure I've heard him speak, and he doesn't sound um, he doesn't sound particularly Northern Irish. Let's have a look.
2: Stewie Dallas, uh, just whilst you do that. Stewie Dallas, he got a bit of a knock. He was limping yesterday. Wasn't oh, he? was he? I think so, yeah.
3: Oh. Well, he was. He had a knock before the match, and then uh, so he missed the first match. Alfie McCalmans from Thirsk. And, uh, but yeah, then Dallas came back. I guess he wanted to play against. Which county uh, of Germany. Ulster
2: is in? <laughs> We probably shouldn't go there again. Maybe given, not, no. Given no. the he, stuff we've done before.
3: He has also, according to Wikipedia, stated his eligibility for the Republic of Ireland. So, yeah, they're probably trying to ward off uh, Keenan McCarthy, keep him out of the way. Bailey
4: Peacock-Farrell had a, a very good game in their uh, match last night, apparently.
3: Yeah, I you heard the same. Did you? I didn't watch it, so I don't believe it happened. That's how that falls in. I mean, they lost 2-0, so... I know, assume both goals were his fault. <laughs> yeah, go along with that. Yeah, he, uh, Graham Smythe, Smith got a, an interview with him. <laughs> Smythe? Well, it's, it's uh, with a, a Y, isn't it? Um, let me find. I'm it. sure it would have had an e on the end if it was Smythe. <laughs> I'm trying to find the Bailey Peacock Farrell quote. Your colleague at the Yorkshire Evening Post. Maybe next time you you pass him in the corridors, you're right, Smythe. As if they let me in the building. Um, Peacock Farrell said his aim at Burnley now. Well, he said going there. He was asked was it a difficult decision to leave Leeds, and he said I don't think you could call it difficult when a Premier League team comes calling. That's not the voice of a Northern Irishman, is it? It's the voice of Bailey Peacock-Farrell. He's from Darlington. Uh, it's an opportunity for me to grow, blah, blah. I feel like it's a good, solid place for me to build a foundation, blah, blah. And he says his aim for this season is just to be a bit more patient. And bear in mind, this is the fuckwit who was uh, two months ago saying, if I'm not the number one at Leeds, then there's uh, something wrong with the with the world. Um, And he's now going, oh, yeah, I'll I'll just have to be a bit more patient now. Starting to get the feeling you're not a massive fan, Moscow. Um, He said, uh, I'm not playing at the moment, but this is the time when you can work on other things that you're maybe not able to do when you're playing week in and week out. So maybe he's going to learn to uh, stop a ball. (laughs) (laughs) Catching. Yeah, he's going to work on some of that stuff. Um, And then his nice thing, he said that to play for Leeds, not many players can say they've done that in front of the thirty to thirty five thousand every single game. It was a really nice feeling. <laughs> I mean, shit, don't fucking should we talk about uh Ilian Meslier for the uh under twenty threes? He had an absolute worldie against Crystal Palace, I believe. A, a few.
4: A few amazing saves in it, weren't there? That were mm-hmm. uh, the opposite of Peacock Farrell. The only clips I've seen of him so far have been of him. Making these world class saves, whereas the first clips I saw of Billy Peacock Farrell were on a spiteful video put together by um, a, a spiteful man. A spiteful man, yes. <laughs>
3: I wonder if we play uh, Burnley under twenty threes this season because we did last year. It could be uh... go and piss
4: bottle him. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: Don't piss bottle him.
3: Might not, but
4: then
2: again, I might. Meslier, anyway.
4: Yeah, it seems good. I'm, I'm glad we have a reserve goalkeeper on the bench instead of Jack Clark. <laughs> As we're trashing our <laughs> former young
2: players. He scored a last-minute winner for the England under-19s, I'm going to say.
3: 20s, one of them. Yeah, I think it's 20s. Um, it was, Yeah, he, uh, he was yeah. a header, back post header, deep cross in stoppage time, and he uh, ghosts in at the back point. Ooh. We were
4: saying Not the other the week how his career is more or less over now. <laughs> so maybe he needs to go down the um, the Andy Gray route of turning himself from a tricky winger into a...
3: Big shit out striker. Which are we talking the Andy Gray, son of Frank, nephew of Eddie? Yes. Rather than the one that was a massively successful. No, no, the one that was a winger for us in the yes. League Cup
4: final, Does and then and then he reemerged at Sheffield United as a big bruiser.
3: We reemerged here as a big bruiser when he he finally scored his first goal after what was it, twenty five years after his debut, scored for Leeds. Fine moment.
2: Yeah, Jack Clark just needs to get on the old uh, Jack Harrison juice, doesn't he, and uh, beef himself up, and then he can be that shit out striker that we uh, desire.
3: To be clear, Jack Harrison juice
4: is a legal <laughs> substance. It's, he did make it sound a bit like he'd been riding himself up over summer. It was, I, I never thought that. <laughs> it's I, Jermaine Beckford's vegan proteins,
2: probably. Who else did we have that played in the international break? Did we ever get to the bottom of whether Clique did play
3: for uh, for Poland or not? Uh, he did, yeah. He played 70 minutes of a 2-0 loss to Slovenia and then the last five minutes of a 0-0 draw with Austria. So not the most uh, exciting thing. Um, Shackleton... Was in the side with Jack Clark yesterday for the England under 20s. Kun Timonuskov uh, played the last seven minutes of for uh, Bulgaria under 21s. They beat Estonia 4 0. We're really
2: kind of. <laughs> I'm not saying, when I say plumb in the depths, I
3: didn't mean it like that, but you know. We've got to do a proper full international deep. update. Ryan Edmondson um, doing a little bit of uh, the Enketia thing of scoring on his debut for England under 19s. Um and Alioski's probably brought peace to the Middle East. I would imagine scored uh, in Israel one-one draw. Uh, North Macedonia. He didn't score. No, he assists Well, it was as good as a goal. The cross, <laughs> uh, from a free kick was the kind of thing that we're absolutely begging for constantly at Leeds. He was absolutely superb. Whooshed the ball into the uh, penalty area and a, a whooshed it, and a North Macedonian oomphed. Uh, his header past the uh, the goalkeeper so that was great and he also they beat Latvia 2-0 he, he played in that as well I don't know if he if he got up to any of his, cra- any of his crazy drapes or his trickeries or if he just behaved himself and, and played some proper football
2: maybe they're just so used to it there maybe maybe they're all like that in North Macedonia
4: <laughs> they can't all be like that the country can't structure itself on, on
2: Alioskis <laughs> And are we going to claim this one as ours? Who's put this on the sheet? And Erling Haaland, Alfie's son.
3: I mean, yes, we'll claim him. He's going to come home eventually. His first start from Norway, a 2-0 win over Malta. So he is a Leeds fan um, and he should be playing for us. Only uh, he was offered much, much more money to play somewhere else. So
2: Obviously, when we go up this season, he's going to be one of the first that we sign.
3: Yes, and we'll stick him in the under-23s until he rots.
2: If you haven't yet checked out our other podcast, The Extra Ball, now is the time to do it, because we're going to have a lot of fun with it this week. Um, if you already subscribe to it, by the way, thank you so much. If you want to get behind us and get bonus content every week, give The Extra Ball a go. 2 99 a month, your first month is free. And you can hear stuff like this. We're going back and kind of goggle boxing, having a watch back of the eighty nine ninety season, but not the video that you think, not race for the title. However, what's this one called?
3: It is called Marching On Together, Our Parts In Their Glory
2: which is basically a kind of weird hybrid coverage of one match whilst blowing a load of smoke up the fans' arses. They're quite clever
3: on the back of the VHS box. They call it a documentary-style video rather than a documentary, just to just to make clear that, uh, that yeah, it's a load of interviews with um, Mick Whitlow, a, a friend of the Extra Ball, uh, saying how great the fans are.
0: And it is spectacular. Now just have a listen
2: to this.
3: The apron of the stadium is by now a
0: hustling, bustling mass of humanity. The coming together of the faithful is almost complete. Their procession is orderly, almost regimented, but entirely unrehearsed. Their mood is one of quiet confidence. Latecomers are advised to hurry. They need no encouragement. The action ahead is their meat and drink. They need to be part of it. We need to be part of it. I mean, how partridges that is amazing, isn't
4: it? If you're going to subscribe to The Extra Ball, I'd say you need to hurry.
2: <laughs> yes, it's spectacular, is that video? And you can hear loads more of it via squareball.net forward slash The Extra Ball. He's signed. It feels like Christmas all over again. Thank you, Santa Claus. Calvin Phillips is staying with us for five more years and definitely won't have a break clause in there that means he can be sold next summer if we don't get promoted. Hooray!
4: Nope. Even if we were to be relegated this season, he would be there, tied to us, unable to leave for the next five
3: years. We'll imprison his nan if he tries to go anywhere. That's the deal. should just say, just for the record,
2: that is a joke and not a direct threat <laughs> against Calvin Phillips. Although, no, not
4: us. I believe she's still handcuffed to the uh, one of the... <laughs> The balconies at the uh, East Stand upper, as I, I I couldn't tell from the picture, but that's why, that's what the that part of the negotiation I understood.
3: All those lovely videos of the behind the scenes signing the contract, getting his family involved. It's it's a nice way of getting them involved. It's also a threat.
4: They were they were being released on those pictures, which I'm all for. But no, it's nice they're staying.
3: It is, and uh, we we needed that. It all seems like it sorted itself out quite easily. Get through the summer, get through the transfer window. I don't know why they couldn't do it in summer. Is
2: well, that not because uh, people were touting his phone number off to Villa? Is that part of the reason?
3: If you are to believe the, uh, the story that is doing the rounds? Probably, but you could just stop that with a contract at that point.
4: Well, they've
2: got it done now.
3: Yeah.
4: I think it's nice that normally at this point, when we've talked about contract negotiations with star players, it's the bit where the clubs start just trashing them on us gradually the chairman will be putting out little bits of poison saying how they're greedy and they're, they're not really committed and then just prepping us all for a, agents, a January sale.
2: Agent's been in his ear, his head's been turned. Uh,
3: Kevin Sharp, <laughs> when he's negotiating with and tried to sign him for Joseph? <laughs> rubbish, hair fell out. Etc, <laughs> <laughs> etc. Et and we had the same with Cholino era as well when it was all the the Cook and Byram agents so and we are offering Byram a a
2: wage cut to stay (laughs) incredible we'd like you to stay longer and do the same job
3: but could you do it for less money so this all seems to have gone quite easy in the end first offer knocked back another offer accepted and gives him the, the money it sounds like um Phil Hay says he's earning between twenty and twenty-five thousand pounds a week, and that it's Phil close- Hay's earning that much, <laughs> and that it's closer to the twenty-five thousand pound end. So uh, Calvin has got parity with Phil Hay at the Athletic. <laughs> um, I mean, I heard they're it, paying good money, but that's that's more than I expected. But it puts him up with the top earners, but not right at the top. There's almost a sense that, like, under twenty-five thousand pounds a week in the current madness that is English football, is actually quite cheap for a player as good as. Calvin Phillips and as important as Calvin Phillips so um, he's not broken the Leeds United Bank and the the business of a like a guaranteed uh, sell-on fee if we don't get promoted just seems sensible it kind of it removes any of that kind of Bates Chilino style argument from the future because we all know it's what happens yeah there's, mm-hmm. there, there won't be any any of that push and pull Kevin Sharp would have done a bad job if that wasn't included really yeah absolutely You've got to it, and it protects both as well it means that Phillips can't and his agent can't mess about in the future and be like, yeah, we're going to try and do a QL and force through a move to Liverpool for, for a million quid. And they got loads. It's all kind of, no, we don't go up. You can go to the Premier League. This is the deal. And if, if we don't get promoted, everybody's fucking off from Bielsa to probably Radrizani to, you know, everybody else. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, thank God we're going up. Well, yeah, that's it. So we don't actually need to worry about that clause at all because we'll be promoted. But, um, but yeah, the, the other side of that is, if we're not, then uh, the club is closing down anyway. So
4: you can leave on a free, probably can't it When it just gets liquidated at the end
2: of the season. Could you imagine earning twenty five thousand pounds a week? Could you, what would you do with it? I mean, would you still stop, shop at like Home Bargains and stuff?
4: I Michael? think I think I'd work for one week a year and call it a day. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, of course I would. Don't, don't, don't want to waste it, do I? If you want to help us uh, experience what that's like, uh, thesquareball.net slash theextraball. Um, every little gets us to that 25k a week target. <laughs> <laughs> they were quite a way off, <laughs> that
2: one. But, you know, we live in perpetual hope, why don't we? And good to see as well Click there talking to other players, including Click, about extending, which is good. It feels like they're looking at continuity, even if we're not certain that Bielsa will stay beyond the end of this season, that maybe they're tying the players in.
3: Stuart Dallas as well, he's one. Um, now he's had like... Four good games in a row. Um, his contract will be um, exceptional. But no, he he's uh, in line for contract as well. And he did a, an interview very much the opposite of Bailey Peacock Farrell saying that um, even if he left uh, Leeds United to go to another club in the future, he'll probably still live around here because he just loves it so much. So Maybe transfer, it's still,
2: uh, transfer to Harrogate Town, Beckinson.
3: <laughs> still just got, turning up at Thorpe Arch every day. Like,
2: can I just train here? I miss the lads. And um, let's look at the people on the other end of this scale then. And tidy up the transfers, uh, outgoings from the back end of the international transfer window, which closed uh, later than ours, didn't it? So we have confirmed from last time Lawrence DeBock has gone on a season long loan to Sunderland. How many games has he played for us in total? <laughs>
3: um, Seven. Fuck. And how many did uh, he win? None. None. <laughs>
4: and John- how, how many of those did he directly cost his goals in?
3: Several. It was Derby away when he completely went yeah, mad, wasn't was the, it? That was the bad one. Uh, it's Johnny Cooper on Twitter who who did the maths on that. That the most games played for Leeds without winning is Harry Clark, fourteen. Who he only played in one season. It was the worst season in Leeds United's entire history when we came back after the Second World War, and we still had a mix of well, the it was the team from before the the war, those who had survived, and then. Some of them had been badly injured. And then we just cobbled together whoever else we could get, put them out with um with no hope, really. And they just they sank like an absolute stone. I think they held the record for the worst uh season in the top flight until Derby beat it with that um with their relegation. So poor old Harry Clark, way out ahead on fourteen, but then um, behind him it's seven games without a win, Arthur Price, Rocky Jr. and Lawrence DeBock.
2: So he's in a silver medal position at least, which is
3: pretty good. You're on the podium now. He's a history maker. You're there with Rocky Jr. who was, I think,
4: Lawrence DeBocq really is not getting enough credit for this because Rocky Jr. was stuff of legend, wasn't he really, at the time, his, his performances, whereas I think DeBocq will be.
2: He's only one ripped shirt away from immortality. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Even, did he score two against Scum and still it was like one of our worst players ever? Yep.
2: That's <laughs> good going
3: Exceptional Quite
2: a feat Connor Shawnessy has gone on a season long loan to Mansfield Man of the Match voted in that which is pretty cool well done to him um, On the paid off list Vernon Anita's has finally gone disappeared off to count his millions and spent
3: some more money on hats
4: Seems to be linked with a move to Israel now I don't know he'll, he'll probably still be insisting on a big salary won't he
3: He was a, a rapper I don't know if we've ever explored this, Some, and I can't remember who hit me to it. Well, but was it was like Chris Waddle and Basil Bolly. Remember their song? That was amazing. Yeah,
2: um, they're out on. Uh... Which, by the way, if you've never seen that, never heard of it, get onto Google and Google Basil Bolly, Chris Waddle. And...
4: Unusé mama, mm-mm, saga saga dance, something like that. It's good. Yeah, the, yeah. it the, was the, like uh... it was like
2: Basil Bolly was in the room <laughs> with me then.
4: Basil wears, um, he's like dressed as a beef eater in that video as well like for a brief second and you think you've had it, the
3: whole thing's a dream yeah. but it's worth watching. It's a hallucination more like, yeah. Um, and also, I'm oh, sorry, go This on. is uh, Vernon Eaters having a rap battle with Leroy Fair.
2: Yeah.
3: That's Vernon. Yeah, super. <laughs> he's done what he's on about. He's rapping in Dutch, you see, but I'm sure he... Uh... I, don't, I don't speak Dutch. But you can appreciate the... uh, No, he's spitting
2: some nice rhymes. Of course he is, yeah, but I don't understand what he's on about. Let's move on. Uh, Callum Nysel, Nickel, What's his name, really?
4: Nysel, I think. I used to pronounce it Nickel, then I think I was corrected once.
2: Anyway, he's been paid off. One person who hasn't, the mysterious um, Wazim Boy. No games. Four-year contract. Still there.
3: I had a look at his uh, Instagram before uh, he went... Well, before he didn't go away. Um, And uh, during pre-season, he was posting... um, photos of himself by a pool it's uh the four seasons i think somewhere in there where was he the four seasons private luxury villa marrakesh on the 26th of july when everybody else is absolutely uh, being tortured at thorpe arch um he's uh drinking well it looks like quite a healthy cocktail a lot of uh, a lot of vegetables and fruit in there by the pool.
2: Excellent. Sounds like he's having a jolly nice time. Well, um, yeah, as long as he's happy. That's all, that's all that matters. Move on from it. We've already given him too much time on this podcast and it's probably warranted. <laughs> we'll be talking about him again next year. He'll be a quiz answer. <laughs> He'll be a quiz answer in years to come, won't he, that bloke? Uh, you mentioned Thorpe Arch there. Let's talk about the training ground and the move away from that. Angus Kinnear has mentioned that we are close to securing the site at Matthew Murray, which if you're not familiar with it, is the school that's kind of opposite on the other side of the motorway
3: to Elan Road, but very close, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds like they want to announce all this as part of the centenary um, celebrations. Um, he's kind of continuing his character from the uh, the documentary where he says, uh, we've said to the council that we don't want our centenary seasons to be one where we just have a nice party and look backwards. We want to look forwards and create some legacy and not dick around. He doesn't say that. But um, yeah, they they want to bring it all together. And, and I think they're going to try and announce what they're doing at Matthew Murray and Fullerton Park as part of in with the 100 year stuff.
2: I am genuinely interested to see what they do because having seen like the Man City documentary and you've seen the sports village they've created there, how close it will come to that and what it will look like and how it benefits the community as well because it's an important part of, I think, what one of the good things. I mean, Radra Zani, he likes the publicity quite a lot when things go well, but I think it's one thing we can probably genuinely say if he's incorporated us back into the community and increased ties to the city, then good
3: on him. I think one thing is it's going to be about a tenth of the size of Manchester City, just purely by the the size of the the plots they're building on and um and it will be interesting to see how they they manage purely from a a building point of view the fact that there are terrace streets that just kind of cul-de-sacs onto where the site is um how they deal with uh, with that um because you don't want to just put a big blank leisure center style wall along the, the side of it it's got to be something some way of uh, you could make it like Wakefield
2: Prison have like a 30 foot wall concrete
3: well basically that's what they really need to avoid (laughs) but then also they also need to avoid people just like wandering onto the first team pitch in the middle of training or Frank Lampard (laughs) taking uh, trips down to Beeston and standing on the edge of the motorway I'm not suggesting that Frank Lampard should play on motorways uh, or that anybody should it's dangerous but and you've also made him sound a bit like a curb crawler there on a motorway well I mean maybe fastest moving prostitutes in (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Maybe it's high speed kicks. You never know what he's into, do
3: you? If you're at like, uh, right. Town anyway, Winston's not far away. There's no need to, no need to put yourself in danger. I just want to stress, you are right. I have no idea what Frank Lampard is into. That's a legal statement I wish to make.
2: Right. Uh, another manager as well, Gary Monk. He's now managing Sheffield Wednesday. No doubt he's, uh, he's going to be really pleased with the group there. It's a good group of lads. And his tour of the clubs continues. Isn't it weird how he's kind of evolved from this bordering on Premier League manager to. Single season in the championship and his name I think it's a fair comment to say is not held in the highest of esteem now following his departure from Leeds Middlesbrough and now Birmingham
4: he's become a bit like Paul Jewell or someone like that who'll just dot around clubs that because he once did alright he never has done very well anywhere either like he got sacked at Swansea basically he took over quite a decent team the reports were that it went to shit when he was there he did he did reasonably well with us but again fell short
3: he's so snaky he's so snaky and the thing with Swansea they'd got you know they'd been in the Premier League for years they had the whole uh, Roberto Martinez Brendan Rodgers Michael Laudrup things absolute consistency he came in and then within a year they're fucking relegated so it's kind of but yeah you're right He he was the hip hop Happening new thing when he came to Leeds, and I now, mean, we
4: loved him because he wasn't Steve Evans as well. It is worth remembering that that's who he replaced. I
3: mean, we were decent under under
2: Monk. We were decent, but we yeah, never yeah. quite. I mean, you, you compare it to now Bielsa, and you can see the difference and how yeah.
3: far apart they are. But um, I saw a conversation with some uh, Sheffield Wednesday fans. One saying, "Oh, this is going to be a great appointment. We'll play some." Uh, fast attacking, uh, free-flowing, uh, passing football. And somebody asked him, have you actually seen one of his teams play? Like, this is just going to be long ball shithousing. And yeah, now, so his style of football really has never developed into something uh, significant. And he, every time he leaves the club, they end up sort of trawling his laptop now, which is not a not a good look <laughs> for anybody.
4: Let Chris Wood score. That was his the, the basic strategy when he was in charge of us, yeah. wasn't it? Pablo,
2: you remember what you did at Swansea? do that well when you can uh, contrast it with what Bielsa's football is like now the number of bodies that we get into the box and Bielsa's philosophy as we've learned from the press conference, is like after Stoke six players attack we have Didn't four in defences get six, the group in the box six in attack but when we had Chris Wood it was Chris Wood in the box and get it to Chris Wood although he did fucking score a lot and we,
4: now we have loads of people and we don't score maybe we're doing it wrong just saying, maybe Gary Monks a better manager than myself. <laughs> no, Um yeah, he'll do all right there. He'll get him to mid-table, then he'll leave at the end of the season under a cloud. Yeah, well,
3: either a cloud or he'll get a slightly better offer. Some, mm. Somebody at the bottom end of the Premier League, he'll do a Steve Bruce on Sheffield them. United. Will come in. I still kind of feel like the Steve Bruce escapade at Hillsborough <laughs> is hilarious, and I don't know, if- especially because they gave him the extra time as well for his, for his holiday. <laughs> And it's not as if it wasn't in his character because he did that whole Crystal Palace wig and Crystal Palace thing. He did a, left Huddersfield for a better offer as well, didn't he, it, at one he point? He just does it all the time. He's an absolute wanker. <laughs> um, and then He's a greedy man, look at him. <laughs> and then for Sheffield Wednesday, it's, as you say, it's like, oh, you take all the time you need. You come in late, like, absolutely, we'll, we'll sort it all out. And it's like, actually, I'm just going to fuck off.
2: good and when it doesn't happen to us it's good yeah same as uh, as this really when the EFL are investigating people uh, they are now looking into all these financial fair play shenanigans and rightly so as well always been a fan of Debbie Jevons's EFL haven't we
3: yep yep for sure (laughs) it's a big improvement on uh, Sean Harvey's EFL if they're actually looking at stuff that's a big a good start
4: yeah it's only right they look at this it's an it's almost acknowledged by everyone that it is a scam
3: well yeah the thing with Derby buying Pride Park off themselves is that their books listed it as worth £41 million and they bought it off themselves for £80 million. So the FL,
2: The caveat there as well, mate. Sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say the £41 million looks like an overestimation in itself, anyway, they're saying.
3: Yeah. So the EFL's way around it is they're going to get independent valuations of uh, Derby and also Hillsborough and the Majeski to see if they've all been. Um, oversold. There's a beautiful detail. Um, the Times reported all this. And um, uh, this seems to be what Derby are claiming is that Pride Park's valuation could be boosted by a proposal to build a roof that would make the stadium a multi-purpose venue. Um, and this is very shady from the Times. But the 24 planning application documents listed on Derby Council's website appear to be focused on the two-storey extension for a food court. So it's all no no. There's going to be a roof on it, honestly, and it'll be worth twice as much with a roof. Yeah, but lads, it's not.
4: So it's a food cart. That's the added value. That's all they've actually got. Five guys is
3: expensive. Well, I mean, another forty million quid.
4: And also, surely the value doesn't go on there until the roof
2: is put on it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not on there now, is it? No, no. It's a good try. It's it's (laughs) like it's like if you were playing Monopoly and you get your properties and you go. I'm going to value this. I want my rent to be the same as if I had a hotel on this property. Just just pay it for me now.
3: I don't understand why you're referencing Monopoly when there is a perfectly good board game called Soccer Supremo that we've been playing for what feels like 10 years that you could be discussing and drawing analogies from. Yeah, listeners to the extra ball will understand that reference. But anyway, we'll watch that
2: one from the sidelines with great interest because I'd really like to see them all get stung for this massively soon.
4: I hope they get absolutely fucked for it. Yeah, I mean,
3: I've been quite... 20 ambivalent. points. I've said on here before that in a way it's the FFP rules where, this, you know, Mel Morris has got this money, so he should be able to just put it into the club. Um, but because he did it like this, I hope he just gets absolutely ruined. <laughs> the, the club has to close
4: and I hope somehow Frank Lampard's brought into it I hope it was Frank Lampard's idea
3: <laughs> he, was going to, he was designing the roof just sketching it tell you what Mel fucking put a, put, put a roof on that I've seen I've seen some stadiums with roofs we could have a roof too
2: and from one England central, <laughs> and from one England central midfielder to another
3: seamless I mean uh, there's a big difference
2: yeah Paul Gascoigne the revelation that he nearly signed for Leeds in the mid
3: 90s would you have liked to have seen that of course it'd have been great what do you have got in the team Carlton Palmer pretty much had the, the midfield lockdown. Is he going to get past him? <laughs> For the benefit of anybody who doesn't know the backstory here, uh, he was speaking to the Yorkshire Post. What's the thrust of it? The Bill Fotherby got conned. Seems to be a lot of it. He went to uh, uh, somewhere in 1995 when he was flying all over Europe, just, well, all over Italy, just trying to sign uh, Espria or Ruben Sosa or Thomas Scaravi or, as it turned out, Thomas Brolin. Um, he spoke to uh, Lazio. And, um, and they said, okay, we can, we can do this deal. Just, uh, we'll, we'll speak again tomorrow. Just don't tell anybody that this is happening. And when Fotherby woke up the next morning, he was all over the headlines saying that Fotherby was in, uh, uh, Rome to sign Gascoigne. And basically they'd used his presence to get all the other bids and, um, and Rangers ended up buying him. But, uh, Gazza himself says uh, that, yeah, I nearly signed for Leeds, but I ended up turning them down and joining Rangers. Chelsea also wanted to sign me, but I was not going there. The only English club I would have gone for was Leeds.
4: Different times, eh? People choosing to sign for Glasgow Rangers over Chelsea. Kids these days, they
3: won't believe it. There was more money at Rangers in those days. It would have been an extraordinary... I was trying to work out, like, Carlton Palmer aside, we were playing pretty much three in midfield at that point, so it would have been Paul Gascoigne and Gary McAllister in the same midfield. <sighs> like, and then Brian Dean on the wing. <laughs> who was very good on the wing.
2: I hey, don't forget complimented by Ian Rush the summer after <sighs> after Gazza's knees had snapped again. I mean,
3: yeah, it would have been it would have been really interesting at I mean, that also raises the prospect of Gascoigne and Lee Sharp. I mean, together in Leeds. Wow.
4: Could yeah. could Gazza have held on for the the party years of O'Leary, you know, as, a, as some sort of backroom staff, maybe mentoring the younger players, keeping them on the straight and narrow,
3: keeping Lee Bowyer out of trouble. Exactly. Jeez.
2: Right, if you are a long-time listener of the podcast and you want to catch up with the Blasphemy Baton, have a look at Ross Chaplin's Twitter account, at Mason Cooper 4. The spin-off series from that is the Booze Baton. Now, we've had to have a bit of a stewards' inquiry here because the Booze Baton was the idea of Eden J. Harris on Twitter, whose nickname is Garden, and it determines the whereabouts of our end-of-season promotion party, which is definitely happening. Now, we had uh, the starting destination as leads for the party at the start of the season until somebody beat us, and then that's how it changes hands. Uh, we think Swansea have taken possession of the baton. However, Garden is suggesting that it's actually gone to Stoke because they knocked us out of the League Cup on penalties. Now that wasn't a defeat, was it? It was a draw.
4: I'm I'm kind of with him on it though, because we did lose that tie. I I think it's
3: I think it's in but, I mean what would we have done if it was over two legs? But well, we could have won it back in the second leg. Alright, if it was away goals. <laughs> I mean we'll go back to the old the uh when European matches were settled on the flip of a disc.
4: This is this is Eden's project so he should be allowed to rule on it Isn't that it? wildlife centre in Cornwall It, it is indeed I believe David Haig was a, a visitor there once upon a time Is that but, where we're going he, to have this he, party? He
2: was managing that at the same time he was managing McDonald's age 12 wasn't it?
4: <laughs> as well as working as a um, a lawyer in the Far East and running a website
3: yeah, a muckraking journalist as well if you've ever actually seen his column from his journalism career it whilst was the uh, village notice board whilst playing football
2: on the cobbled streets of Beeston at the same time <laughs> where he was born while also
3: being born in Salford
2: that's the guy that's him yep we'll leave this one to Eden then shall we it's his, it's his baby
4: Let I him.
3: mean if he'd rather go to Stoke than Swansea and I guess Stoke aren't going to win many more games are they so it, it keeps it interesting
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't
2: even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, thank the Lord. The international break is over soon and we are back in action. Although we have to start with a trip to Mordor. We're off to Barnsley away Mm. at the weekend. Uh, Traditionally, a bit of a bogey fixture uh, for us this one, but it, we owe them a dicking, don't we? We owe them a good dicking. My
4: um, my gambling against Leeds we hit a bit of a peak at Barnsley, actually. I think we'd seen us lose. I can't remember which were the, re- the order was of the results, but we- I think we'd lost 5-2 there. And then we were going there again, and I thought, we're going to lose again. And I think I backed Barnsley. Barnsley minus one and Barnsley minus two with ever-increasing amounts of cash. Uh, I think I won about 100 quid off the trip. You're pure scum. <laughs> you are scum. <laughs> just, to, just to let you know, this it was a shit day. I didn't enjoy it. Have you got your,
3: uh, your bets lined up for this weekend?
4: Uh, we're probably quite hot favourites,
3: actually, for this. I'm like, yeah, it's probably worth a tenner again. It is the Leeds derby, since they've uh, they've done what uh, Bradford City in the 90s did and just take all our uh, cast-offs and uh, they don't have to move house, they just go and play yeah. for another team. There is the potential for this to
2: spectacularly backfire, if only just through numbers alone, because they've got Halme, Wilkes, Odua uh, and Mowat. So what could possibly go wrong there?
4: Well, we know we know Mowat can't run, so I think the midfields... All right, I don't think he'll be able to do much tracking of that. Alma, he's pretty slow. Not playing either. Oh, They binned him off. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. I if was thinking Nketiah would be nipping around the back of him.
3: If you saw his, um, his contribution in their first couple of games, Nketiah would probably be just going straight to his legs. <laughs> but yeah, we should win this. They're not very good, are they?
2: No, they're not. They're terrible. They've only won one game so far, which was the opening day of the season, albeit against Fulham, who have
3: proved quite good. But anything can happen on the opening day, can't it? Who's scored.com gives them their uh, their strengths as creating chances through individual skill, which I assume is Moet, and uh stealing the ball from the opposition. So they're thieves, which I assume is hecking bottom. Um their style of play is possession football, playing the offside trap, and they're aggressive. Grr. Um weaknesses are many. Uh they're very weak at finishing scoring chances, defending set pieces, and avoiding fouling in dangerous areas. And then there's uh defending... Oh, they're weak at defending counter-attacks. So that helps. Yeah, we're going to absolutely smash him. Do you
4: know how many goals their top scorer's got? Uh, Yes, I do. One.
3: <laughs> but Malik um, Wilkes has got four yellow cards, though, so that's alright. Already? Yes.
4: <laughs> Good lad. <laughs> <laughs> he's
3: uh, he's leads and he knows he is, isn't he? Um, Yeah, he's one of their uh, their main starters. They, As I said, they've binned off Haume, but Wilkes Mowit is basically the linchpin. Still only 24. Sometimes when you you think about, like, uh, Delph getting ready for retirement and stuff, but then you realise that, like, Charlie Taylor and Moet and Cook, still young men. Byron, still technically a young man, but with the legs of an old man. <laughs> um, yeah, How May, one and two substitute appearances, and I think they just uh, thought better of it.
2: Uh, we will beat them, won't we, on Sunday?
3: Yes. Yeah, massively.
2: You you're not sounding 100% convinced, Michael. Uh, I think
4: we will. I'll still bet against us, but
2: I think we will beat them.
3: He's always torn, isn't he, between... Uh, Leads winning and you winning. So It's always a difficult choice.
2: And we're going to be in the probably the unbeatable grey and pink combination as well. So we will go unbeaten in that kit all season. Barnsley, seven to one. That's, that is very long odds for, for a two horse race. You could book a whole holiday on the strength of this. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be worth a bit, but we'll,
4: I'll lose it. I'll put a five on and he'll just chuck it away.
2: All right then. So seriously, let's drill into the game. What's going to happen?
4: We're going to be too quick for them. Too much movement, too good for them. All round.
3: Too many counterattacks. <laughs> I think you're right. The idea of... Uh, the tactical analysis there from Michael with two stuff. We're just too good for him. <laughs> the idea of uh, Alex Mowat, who had the, uh, the build of Maradona in the 90s, um, trying to stop one of our sweeping counterattacks. Just, no, not going to happen. Wilkes is possibly the, the one to watch because he's a... Uh, I don't think he was happy about being let go when he is a, a decent player, but he alone cannot lift Barnsley to our level. And is that the definitive ruling then? Yes, we win 5-0. You think this is a 5? I think this is a 5-0. I think this is the one after the disappointment against Swansea. uh, We come back, everybody's gone away on their international breaks, apart from Pat, and they've all got that out of the system, apart from Liam Cooper as well, who's probably feeling even worse. But perfect game, come back, mark it down, blow these out the water, get ready for Derby. Michael, what do you think? Score?
4: I think the only danger is like you say a shell-shocked Liam Cooper coming back and not quite not quite knowing where he is still thinking he's got Kevin De Bruyne uh, running at him and Lukaku making runs around the back and then he, but hopefully at some point he'll look around at his surroundings and see the, that he's, he's no longer in Scotland and everything's fine. I was going to say he went to Scotland not Vietnam. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's going to Barnsley it's going to be comparable isn't
3: it? Yeah true the, the I'll, I'll not say anything mean about people from Barnsley. <laughs> just say it about Paul Heckenbottom. If you make it specific, it's fine.
4: like it. yeah, it's just going to sound worse now. I was going to say, Paul Heckingbottom's quite well educated,
3: so say from Barnsley. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for him, Victor Rhodes wouldn't have uh, ever heard of Marcelo Bielsa. <laughs> true. Else, so. him off,
2: didn't he? Two O yeah. levels, I heard. Two O levels. <laughs> Sorry, Barnsley. <laughs> no, we're not. If you're a Leeds fan in Barnsley, you're all right. You're exempt. Well, you've shown the foresight to look beyond your boundaries of your slum town and. <laughs> How is Bradford, by the way, Dan? Yeah, lots of bangs, mainly late at night. (laughs) Don't know if it's fireworks or just the usual mortar, you know. Kids haven't slept in years. It's been a quiet week because everyone's been away on international duty, but that's not going to stop us chucking some mod at some people. We're going to do our heroes and villains and celebrate some people, of course, with our heroes uh, right now. First, we do the Cam Bates Villainy Award. It's custom that he gets the first nomination. (sighs) Really struggling for reasons. Because with the
4: Phillips thing, he always used to, he would be in the talking shit stage by this point, wouldn't he? Yeah. Trying, to, trying to prep us for a, a low price sale yeah, to Norwich. So our from.
2: expectations of transfers now are framed
3: by him mm. then. You F- was- photos of him, the child Alicia, the Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> He's never been to work. I've heard his grandmother's awful. <laughs> she came to dinner at Howard's, she was rude no manners it was insulting to Susan that, that was the end of the deal so yeah for <laughs> that the, the for trip, a fictional
4: w- conversation he had with <laughs> about Calvin Phillips's grandmother in a restaurant that no longer exists that's why you nominated Ken <laughs>
2: Super. Who else are we nominating? Uh, Gary Neville. Yeah, this is an open goal of a a suggestion, this one.
3: Yeah, saying when he was at Valencia, um, he had a big problem was that he couldn't communicate to the players. And in football, we talk for a living. Uh, Every team talk was 50 minutes because it had to be translated by the person next to me. And if you see Marcelo Bielsa's interviews, they're hard to watch. He doesn't seem to think there's a difference between him going to Valencia thinking he fucking knows everything and could just swan around talking English to everybody while having absolutely no knowledge of how to actually manage a football team. And Marcelo Bielsa, who knows what the fuck he's doing. That's the difference, Gary. Bielsa knows what he's doing.
2: Yeah, the difference is he was shit at Valencia throughout. Bielsa had us playing like Barcelona on day one.
3: Neville was massively out of his depth at all times. Bielsa barely tipping a toe
4: sometimes someone starts speaking to you and you think this guy's talking shit I'm not going to listen to this and that's exactly what the Valencia squad did I imagine whereas when Bielsa started speaking everyone probably thought oh okay
2: this, half, yeah we've got Marcelo Bielsa
3: this Italian, makes an awful lot of sense telling us how to do football he's managed at a World Cup and it doesn't matter how long it takes because if it's Salim Lamrani in particular was translating it you're going to fucking listen to him as well because you're frightened of him so it's a it's a double war as if it's fucking Gary Neville going uh Doth Cervetha Paul Pavard at right back, Sir Alex, used to tell me, uh si vous play? <laughs> Do you remember David Moyes attempting to
4: speak Spanish in the press conference where he says, I have seen training
2: uno dos times? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Gary Neville was doing, isn't it? Yeah, it'll have been very similar. My favourite bit, still not as good as Steve McLaren's uh, Dutch accent. It's very good. You should get on the wrapping. He's um, he's yeah, he's
3: definitely in there. Who else has been nominated? Uh, Gary Monk for being a massive snake. Yeah, we may as well stick him under the fucking idiot talking thing. He's another idiot who talked. Um, the destroyer
4: of Leeds art this week, which has been it was all over the press yesterday. But someone has painted over all of the well, not quite all of them, but a great number of the the like telephone exchange boxes and things that've been painted in Leeds things um, by Burley Banks here at Pants Danny. I think he's, he's Andy McVeigh. Give me his full name. Yeah. Someone's being a complete
2: prick. Basically. It's just and it's joyless. That's the thing that gets me about this. The the statement that went to the evening post about we're a group of this and that and we're doing it. Shut up.
4: That I- statement that the statement I don't think was by the same person who's done this. I think it, it the statement read to me like it was probably some Huddersfield or Bradford fans who because it seemed too provocative. It was like, we're not it's not about football, it's about most people don't even care about leads in the city and stuff. I don't know it felt to me like it yeah. was it was a
3: deliberate piss take. They were accurate on some stuff though because they were saying that they've done it this time using black, I think it's hammerite paint which makes it impossible somebody was saying to get that off. It will have to be actually like sandblasted to remove that stuff so they knew what sort of paint had been used. So I think it had the ring of truth from that angle but the idea that there's a group of them and also uh, there's a there's a real Easy statistic, they said that they speak for the 90% of Leeds residents who uh, are against this sort of thing. I think anybody who claims to speak for 90% of the people, 100% of those people are twats, and they very easily fall into that.
4: We're back to Ken Bates when he used to talk about the silent majority that supported him.
3: Yes, whereas the very vocal majority who think these people are absolute dickheads um, have donated, there's about 1,500 quid there for Andy to to get get back on this and get organised again. And yeah, it was, I tweeted yesterday, and I said, I think it's bullying because it's, um, whatever the the reason they've invented for it, they've claimed to be, if people haven't been following this in the Leeds press, they've claimed to be tidying up against graffiti. They're painting over graffiti that's blind and the But they've but, destroyed the boxes. That were, exactly.
4: And they've left paint all over the pavement and shit as well. They've not done a neat job of it.
3: Yep. and if you think all the um, graffiti and tags that are around LS11 that they could have gone, they've just gone and gone all this guy's work specifically. So they've targeted him. So it's just people, I, I have my take on it because Andy's had a bit of a a profile lately. He was interviewed in the Athletic and he's been in the Evening Post and on the BBC because everybody, everybody likes what he does. Um, he just goes and, and paints these uh, junction boxes in his own time and just makes everything look nicer. They're nice to walk past. Everybody's kind of like, oh, this is nice. He just makes it a nice feel. Somebody's gone... Well, why are you getting why are you getting credit for that i'm going to go and fucking ruin it and that's yeah,
2: that's all jo- that comes that's what down saying, to i'm saying joyless it's
3: a joy- joyless set of people who yeah. are doing it it is just to finish on the the paint that they have used he's all, he's always done this with permission and i think that might be part of why he doesn't use permanent anti graffiti paints i think the the deal with the owners open reach or all, all these boxes is probably like well, as long as we can put it back do what you want, it's fine. And he's always made sure that that's in place. Whereas these guys, as we say, it sounds like they're going to have to sandblast them to get them back to how they were. That's criminal damage. Um, so this Royal Week, we will break no laws, we will fight for justice and all this kind of stuff. No, you're just going to trash a load of fucking junction boxes. And I hope somebody does, Openreach, should bang in a complaint to the police about criminal damage, get the CCTV and find out who did it and fucking throw them in jail. I, I sound I think, like Ken Bates now
2: without due process given, <laughs> no fuck them given
4: the I reaction just, of,
5: sorry, I did of, see
2: somebody say bring back the Birch one, one person tweeted which fair enough Trevor Birch yeah
4: <laughs> I've seen the reaction on, of Leeds fans on Twitter I do think if these people were looking in on it they were probably shitting themselves a bit by the end of the day when there were several people saying I'm can get. i going to try and get CCT from this place, this place, and this place, and I'm going to find them, and I'm going to go out in their house, and they're probably thinking,
2: ooh. Yeah, if there is one group of individuals <laughs> oh, as a collective that you, don't to, that you don't want to piss off, it's probably Leeds fans.
4: Years ago, there was, um, on Wacko, there was a Millwall fan, I think he was, who'd been posting some Galatasaray stuff on Twitter. People very quickly found out who he was. They'd let like, his college know that he was getting skips to his house, pizzas, sex workers, scaffolding. There was all this shit arriving at his house and his mum and dad ended up having to get involved. And he, I can just imagine this like 18-year-old lad at home just thinking, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Should not have done that little post about, uh, about Galatasaray.
3: The thing with, uh, with this that kind of pushes it into another extreme again is that use of the paint that they've used is not cheap.
4: Is, they, is that confirmed that it, they actually have done it with that or is that just them talking shit though?
3: Uh, not confirmed, but has the ring of, again, you kind of balance probability. It feels like that might be what they've done. Um, I think we're waiting for somebody to go down and have a proper look at the the damage and, and report back. But even just buying enough paint of any kind to go and do 14 junction boxes in the middle of the night is the kind of stuff I, that's not like the act of like a, a, like a teenage kid is just going to go and you might kick the fuck out of one but you're not going to specifically... <laughs> don't don't beat up children. I'm saying, No, I mean, kick the fuck out of a junction box. Right. That's what, you might, as you go past, you might just go, oh, that looks fucking shit and boot it. Don't do that either. No, <laughs> but to, to calculate, like, go down to B&Q, buy all the paint, decide when you're going to do it, Gary Speed's birthday, so you can go and trash the Gary Speed one, and go driving around the mall. It's the act of an adult. Well, and, someone, uh,
4: someone saw, someone's mum on Wacko saw the bloke doing it and described him as a man in his fifties with grey hair and... Sort of balding, yeah, which did was pointed out doesn't fit the description of Sean Harvey, <laughs> and I'm happy to blame him for it.
2: No, it's because it's not him, though, is it? It probably not good. I mean, that kind of goes way above and beyond uh, my nomination of Wazi Boy. I was just going to say he
3: should have probably gone, but yeah, feels like that's a bit, bit
2: disproportionate now.
3: As Jojo says, leave, get out, absolutely. Who else, Steve Morrison. Long-time favourite of this podcast. What's he done this time? Ruined my morning because no, I had to spend... It's not, scored, uh, it's not scoring a goal, is it? I had to spend time working out how to cancel my athletic subscription after uh, Phil Hay published a, a sympathetic interview with him, basically saying he understands that he failed at Leeds. I failed at Leeds. I totally get that. I failed because of myself, not because of anyone else. I don't need to tell you how much of a mess the club was. That's a given. But I messed up. I made bad choices and I failed. Yes. But then he moves on to... Uh, the reason he says he made bad choices is because he had a, a, a groin injury and he tried to play on through it, but he was being too honest and trying to give his best. And instead I, I of can't saying, stand that, people being too honest. Instead of saying, I'm injured and I can't play, he Sickening. said, no, I'm going to keep trying so he could never give. So it, it quickly turns from that, uh, you know, I've got to fess up. I was shit at Leeds too, but I was just too honest at Leeds and I tried <laughs> too hard and uh, I should have been more selfish and stopped playing. And then... Uh, he did stop playing, didn't he? Um, yeah. And then he has this really weird, unnecessary go at Habib Habiboo Because he's talking about how um, Norwich he was competing with Grant Holt. And he says, but when I came to Leeds, I had to compete with Habib Habiboo. That's not something I was ever going to lose sleep about. That, that's a fucking unnecessary jibe, but a perfectly decent human being. Ducks admittedly may have their own views on Habib Habiboo, but he never did any harm to nobody. Habib Habiboo was perfectly honest, tried his hardest didn't fucking piss everybody off like this wanker and then um, uh, and then just saying that the uh, the stuff since where he compares himself to the and, and winds the crowd up is oh, just all fun and games all pilot. It. it's like no you can't just dismiss that as fun and games you look and act and are a wanker <laughs> <laughs> and you can't just laugh out going a like, shit oh, wanker at I that. know I know I failed at Leeds the two you does you can't just gloss over it at the end going oh I'm, I was just I was just too honest what could I do but this um this taking the
2: pressure off every other player in the Millwall dressing room thing by focusing the attention on him he he's basically saying that he's Jesus
3: <laughs> well that's it. it all he is so he's a martyr inflated in his own self it's just bullshit and he still winds me up to this day him and fucking Neil Warnock. Oh, and he bangs on about how uh, Becchio never had the game to make it in the Premier League as well. It sort of says that. He, oh, I see now. So about how he didn't have um, pace in the box. He's like, I could understand. Uh, I could understand Norwich having me in the Premier League. I, I, I never thought Becchio would be a success. And it just goes to show because he never played for them. And again, it's just he's trying to come off as this nice guy who's so honest and understands he failed and like, like he knows that the fans called him a shift. And he, but he even takes that as like, I took that as a bit of praise, like they were recognizing the hard work I did. No. We were laughing at you because you shot and hit the corner flag. <laughs> but the only defence was it was, oh, well, he works out. He puts a shift in. Oh, it's uh, And like, even
2: then, he didn't really put a shift in over and above anybody else. That was kind of a, it was an ironic moniker, wasn't it?
3: It was um, the nicest thing anyone could say
4: about him, was that he sometimes ran a bit damned by faint praise. And it
3: probably comes down to, it. We, I do think more fondly of Habibu than I do of Steve Morrison. So shove that up your ass as well, wanker. <laughs> Whatever he does, I like seeing... It, um, I can't remember what game it was. We we were, I think it was when we were going for a promotion last season. Habib Habibu just put a message on Twitter saying, "Good luck to all the Leeds fans. I hope I hope Leeds win today." And everyone's like, "Oh, that's that's really nice of him, isn't it?" Whereas, what's Steve Morrison's contribution to Leeds United since he left been calling us all dicks and playing like a wanker. It's fairly comprehensive. That anybody mm-hmm.
4: else we'd like to nominate? Well, off the back of this, probably Gfh for their um, for signing him for the, for signing him and for their negotiation skills. He says. um I mean, I'll I'll let you put yourself in this position, Dan. It was basically offered either a a two-and-a-half or a a three-and-a-half-year contract.
2: Well, let me stop you there. Already I'm thinking, okay, this is a short career. Uh, Will I go for the shorter contract or will I go for the longer one? I'm leaning towards the longer one. The
4: longer one. And also, the longer one's on more money. Right. Are you going to take the shorter one on less money so or the longer to, one on more money? Are you going to
2: pay me less for a shorter period of time yep. or are you going to pay me more for, for a longer, longer period of time? They're, right. your, they're your options. Wow. Take your pick. I'm struggling,
3: mate. <laughs> if you honest. need if
4: you need a few, if you need to think it over over the weekend. Can I come back to you on the next podcast? <laughs>
3: yep, yep. Fucking idiots. As Morrison says, my agent had to make out like he was seriously asking me about it. And the prelude to this was their first offer was apparently for half of what he was on at Norwich, at which point uh, Neil Warnock had to ask Steve Morrison to leave the room and basically tell GFH to... Um, I believe his quote was uh, listen can we do this properly please
2: (laughs) it sounds like they had a jolly nice time anyway GFH pretending to run a football club yeah it puts the
4: the Ridsdale Seth Johnson stuff in uh, in a bit of context that you know he's not the only
2: football club owner who can massively fuck up a contract negotiation well we've got some fairly impressive candidates there for the uh, Ken Bates Villainy Award but we do need to pick a winner there's only one winner isn't there
3: the anonymous destroyer the paint twat if we could somehow accuse it, Steve Morrison of being that person and uh, do a two-for-one. Well, there's no evidence to the contrary. It, man in his 50s,
4: greying. <laughs> if, it may, it may, if he was running, you would have assumed he was in his
3: 50s. But no, it's definitely, it's the, uh, the destroyer of uh, Leeds' art. On to matters
2: happier now then, the Andy Hughes Hero Award, an award for somebody who has made our last week a little bit brighter.
3: Who would you like to nominate this time? Alfie McCalmont. Two games in two days. Two international games in two days. That's something. It's like it's the 70s again when people used to have 12 FA Cup replays that they had to play. Or it's uh, going for the 30s, 20s and 40s. You would play, um, particularly at Christmas, you play away to Arsenal on Christmas Day and then play them at home on Boxing Day. <laughs> Perfectly normal.
2: I'd also like to nominate Calvin Phillips for not being mercenary and for signing up to Leeds United again. It was something that we, we would all like to do. So thank you, Calvin. We we mentioning Kevin Sharp as well for his part in this? Well, his lovely hair. And Michael. his lovely hair.
4: His lo- once lovely hair. Now, we all had once lovely hair.
2: <laughs> um, I'd like to nominate Roy Keane. This is controversial, not often thought of as a League United hero, but I know where you're going with this.
4: But this week, he's entirely um, trashed Alex Ferguson and his legacy at Man United, which has been quite nice.
3: Do, do we have uh, Is he available? what he said? Do we have a recording, perhaps? you got a the, the clip there. Is, is he similar to his cousin Robbie?
4: I think it's probably yeah they're from a very similar bit of um, Ireland ish. It, is, it is Irish, isn't it? Roughly,
2: <laughs>
3: roughly, broadly speaking. But with with a few more uh, razor blades in the throat. I
4: need to be more angry. I'm not really angry enough to be to be Robbie Keane. Roy just think Keane. about
3: Steve Morrison. Imagine Roy Keane on Steve <laughs> Morrison. A fucking prick. <laughs>
4: I think Roy Keane is obviously a dick. It's worth just mm. saying before we start. He falls out with everybody. Like, there's no tale about Roy Keane being anywhere and just getting on nicely with people,
2: is there? Like, just, just when he took his dog for a walk that time.
4: Just angry with every When he was a manager, he used to fall out with people for turning up on time, for not having the bollocks to turn up late. He fell out with people. <laughs> for, he fell out with every every manager I think he ever played with. But I do quite like him when he gets on stuff like this. And like during the World Cup, when he when he he's on the panel and he's visibly like seething about something and you can see they're just that Ian Wright getting all excitable next to him and he's you're a
3: grown man sit down
4: <laughs> and Ian Wright obviously he's, he's you can't depress Ian Wright can you whereas Roy Keane it... I think
3: he came close with that
4: <laughs> anyway on, on Alex Ferguson he said uh, people said he always had the best interest in Manchester United heart. Darren Ferguson his son won a medal he was very lucky Alex Ferguson's brother was Chief Scout at Manchester United for a long time I'm surprised his wife wasn't into staff somewhere. Darren was the manager at Preston North End and lost his job. He had a couple of young players on loan from Man United. But guess what happens the next day? They pull out of Preston. Is that doing the best for Manchester United? Uh, he didn't say Manchester United properly there. He only played there for a few He's years. He's very angry.
2: So he, he forgets how to say it sometimes. And he runs it off by saying... Do me a favour. There we go. Thank you very much, Troy Keane. A, a very, very worthy contribution this week.
3: The Darren Ferguson... Thing is absolutely on the nail, though. Like, that was always just a joke. Uh, do we
2: have any other candidates, or should we pick a winner from those three? Well, we
3: just need to give it to Calvin Phillips, I think, don't yeah. we? Yeah, of course we do. Makes it easy for us, doesn't it? He's probably out there now repainting all those junction boxes. So, what, with a smile on his face? With his nan helping, yeah. and handing it, cleaning his brushes for him. Lovely, aren't they? Lovely. If he never plays another game for Leeds United, and He's he just grand, goes around. His grandma is a vendor. <laughs> graffiti artists you know tags
4: Calvin Phillips thank you thank
2: you for staying for the next five years and that wraps up this episode of the Square Ball podcast grab yourself a subscription for this season we've got loads of Ace merch links through to the Leeds Carajo mugs and more at the squareball.net and please if you do, if you like what we do here and you fancy getting behind us check out the Extra Ball Two ninety nine 99 a month, your first month free, and we do bonus content every week. And honestly, we really appreciate everybody who has got behind us because it's letting us do more of this. Everything you need then is at the squareball.net How are we feeling now as we head out of the international break off the back of a first defeat? Are we all right? Are we all, are we all fine now? It's fine.
3: We're going to hammer Barnsley, and that will uh, put an end to all of it. We won't lose another game.
2: Watch out for the match ball
3: straight after the end of the Barnsley game, and we'll find out how
2: wrong we were. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll speak to you in a bit.
3: The Square Ball Podcast.
5: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.